Hello everyone, this is Saqib welcoming you to Cricket with an Accent. Our World Cup countdown continues. Today we are going to be talking everyone's favorite team, West Indies. And joining me today, uh, once again, actually, Sanket Singhbal comes back. He's prepping for his exams or he's finding time late nights in India to knock these shows out. Always grateful. Welcome, Sanket. Yeah, always great to be here. And today making his debut is uh, Swaroop Mamripuri so, uh, is in Chennai, you know, again, Matching the schedules is hard. We were talking about bringing Swaroop on the show. He's a die-hard West Indies fan, and he's uh, gracing the podcast with his presence. You know, we're going to be discussing a lot of West Indies. Uh, Swaroop, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Sanke. Honored to be here. Yeah, uh, no, believe me, uh, you are the third Mamidi Puri, so this is becoming like your family show. Anand, then uh, Sharon, and now you. So you guys have you guys are like the Chapel Brothers here. <laughs> There are a couple of others also whom I wanted. Okay, there you go. I mean, it's never ending, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so Sanket, last time we were talking Australia and England, the squads weren't announced, and this is very similar to what we did with the Sharon and uh, Bharat when we talked about the India squad, which was announced. So, any surprises? Because everybody knows what the squad is. If you look at the West Indies squad, because you did an exercise where you picked all squads, how are you doing so far in uh, comparison? What you picked and what West Indies picked? I think my squad is exactly the same as the ones that the selectors have. I think the only change is I think Shane and Gabriel comes in for Azari Joseph and that's largely due to injury. Because Azari Joseph injured himself failing in an IPL match, the Mumbai Indians against Rajasthan Royals, uh, and uh, ended up dislocating, dislocating his shoulder. So I guess that's one of the reasons why Azari, uh, Shane and Gabriel has come in. He, he was suspended for the last series against England due to some you know controversial remarks about Joe Root. And he hasn't played, really played a lot of ODI cricket in recent times. So that's probably a little bit of a gamble. Uh, he's also got that no-ball issue. But yeah, that, that, that I would say is the only real surprising selection. I think the other contentious issue you could say was you know, the, the toss-up probably between Kimo Paul and Carlos Brathwaite the, for the seam bowling all around the slot. And uh, they, they've gone in with Carlos Brathwaite. I personally probably, probably would have gone in with Kimo Paul. I just think he's a better bowler. Uh, but that they seem to have gone with Carlos. He's, he's probably a slightly better batsman, and his bowling, even though I don't rate very highly, but he showed some signs of improvement in the recent series against England. And uh, the other talking point, I guess, is the you know the um, there's no real specialist spinner in the squad. They've gone in with two all-rounders in the form of Ashley Nurse and Fabian Allen. And uh, Devendra Pishu was was part of the, been a part of the side, has been a fixture in the side for the last you know, pretty much the last couple of years, or probably even longer than that. He's missed out, and uh, in my opinion, quite rightly so. I, I didn't have him in my score either. His performances have been, you know, uh, I mean, very mediocre. If I'm being very polite, and if I were to be harsh, I, I, I mean, I, I don't know what words I would use. But his record, it's, it's, it's very disappointing, and he he tends to be very expensive. So I think they made the right call with that. Obviously, Sunil Narayan you know, has has issues with the action, so I'm not too sure he was if he was available. So other than that, I think that, you know, with the, with the kind of resources they had. Uh, I think they've, they've done the best that they could. Okay, we'll come back to you. You made some very interesting observations. There are a few questions already ready uh, in my mind, but let's bring uh, Swaroop, you know, uh, faces first over of the podcast. So, Swaroop, uh, West Indies. Again, uh, when yeah. I grew up, I'm a lot older than you guys. West Indies were talk of the town. There was, you know, the fear factor. There was a charisma in this team. Richards walking out too bad. Marshalls, Patrick Patterson, Ambrose, Richie Richardson, you name it. Uh, yeah. What's your uh, fixation with West Indies? Are you a new, I mean, new generation fan? And uh, and if yes, uh, what's so striking about this team? I know it's a great T20 team. So just uh, share with our audience here. 
actually i started i mean i have a very strange reason for why i am a west indies fan i i grew up in manipal which is on the west coast of india and the first time i watched a west indies game when i was about 5 years old this was in uh, 89 or 90 and i watched a west indies game and i thought west indies were west india and india were india so i thought i was supporting my team but i was actually supporting the west indies and uh, uh, with time i came to prefer uh, you know the, the the early 90s west indies players i mean the the usual lara hooper ambrose walsh the benjamin uh, you know keith atherton i used to have a fascination for his hat and i mean i just became more and more a west indies fan and by the time by the time the 96 world cup came i was i was totally supporting the west indies through that world cup and through that semi final And, so uh, so you basically live and die by western indies no matter what format like Sharan, like uh, sanket does it with australia absolutely absolutely and i've i've just continue, i mean it's it's been the most uh, i think i think since that 96 semi final loss it's just been like one long downhill journey and it's been frustrating but i've stuck with it i'm still a west indies fan i still watch cpl games i still you know that's, that's <laughs> like good I've, I've, that's good you're yeah. definitely adding uh, another you know f- Accent to this podcast. We are the three Indians right now. All of us have uh, a different team we root for, so that's the beauty of it. So, going back to the observations uh, Sanket uh, made about the squad, how surprised are you, uh, or are you surprised at all to see any names or any omissions from the fifteen that has been announced? Oh, I'm, I'm actually with Sanket on Shannon Gabriel. I think uh, Shannon Gabriel hasn't played ODI cricket in almost three years. I think two and a half years or so. he's an expensive bowler he's a wicket taker but he's an expensive bowler and with the kind of flat pitches that we expect in england in this world cup i i don't see shannon gabriel being much of a force at all in england so that 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 name surprises me uh, again on the spinners yeah i mean uh, sanket is right that bishu uh, hasn't done well at all in the last couple of years he's he's lost a bit of zip in his bowling it's not it's not landing properly and it's not turning but there seems to be some fascination in modern um, limited overs cricket for wrist spinners so and and there have been times when batsmen who are you know doing really well suddenly a wrist spinner comes even if you look at the ipl someone like mayank markande who's who's i mean on his best day he's he's about good to very good he's not a great spinner and he's also been doing well so i think when when batsmen are absolutely going for it a wrist spinner sometimes just changes things up and i think it would be interesting to have him in the squad but who might have him instead of i i really don't know maybe instead of shan and gabriel i i probably switch in bishu uh, just because he's alan. uh no i i i like alan actually I, he he seems like a decent bowler to me and uh, he can he can bat a bit down the order and I know, I know you don't rate fielding very highly, but Allen is a very good field, a very good outfielder. Oh, Sanket, my question to you, based on you know your and uh, Swaroop's opening remarks, uh, any team that has to win a World Cup needs a spinner. That's what you and uh, Bharat, when you were on the show, were saying. So, with West Indies not having a spinner, does that make them more of an outsider to to go all the way? Absolutely, absolutely. I think I think that, that that's one of the points that that, that I've been. Banging on about for the last six months or so, because I think 
from the time I've seen the Indies players play in the CPL last year, I think I saw some really exciting batting talent coming through. Tate Meyer, I think, was a revelation, and he has carried that on in one-day cricket. So I hope, I think he was, uh, I think, you know, it wasn't really all that impressive in ODI cricket prior to the CPL, but post that, I think he's been a different player. But the one point that I've always felt that the Skinnies are lacking in is spin department. I think that was evident even in the CPL and even in you know, the, whatever the ODIs they've played over the last, you know, I think throughout the duration, I think, of this World Cup cycle or probably even before that, before Sunil Narayan got banned, they, they haven't really had a wicket-taking spinner. And I think that, that, that I think, I think that is a serious impediment. I, I, and I, it's not just a spinner. I think even the, even the pace department, I don't think is that great as far as limited overs cricket is concerned. I think they've got a very promising test uh, pace attack for test cricket. I think if you look at the likes of Shane and Gabriel. So why, why is it not effective? You think these guys will bleed runs or they don't ball? They just uh, are not, you know, more conducive to like the ODI strategy? They bowl short ball? Why? What, what's the skill set that's missing here? Uh, because I fail to understand. I'm not challenging you, but it'll help me follow the West Indies better when... They are playing this none World of, Cup. None, none, firstly, none of them bowl. None of them can bowl well at the back. I think that's one of the major weaknesses. Absolutely. Jason Holder is, and he, he, I think he's one of the most improved Test cricketers that I've seen over the last couple of years. His numbers in Test cricket over the last year or so are absolutely what you can say. They are almost Imran Khan-esque, uh, if I can say that. But, yeah, I, I think I think Jason Holder has been the best Test cricketer over the last year and a half or so. At least all round, I'm not sure about cricket overall. I think I, th- I think cricket overall, but anyway, that would just be my bias. Yeah, yeah but that's the yeah, whole Jacques Callis, you but, know, but, versus Tendulkar argument, right? Because if you're saying cricketer, you're using the word all rounder, yeah. but yeah, yeah. we can yeah, save yeah. it for another time. But, but, but as far as his limited overs bowling is concerned, if you look at his record at the death, he's one of the te- worst death bowlers in limited overs history, and I don't Absolutely. see that. I don't say that lightly. He not just in the Indies side, not just in the current West Indies side, not just. You know, in any side, he is just one of the worst dead bowlers in limited overs history, and I include associate teams in that. You know, every time you know he's up against a big hitter like someone like a Josh Butler or a David Miller, A.B. De Villiers, or you know, there are plenty of players, and he, he tends to go for runs in, in excess of 25, 30 in the final overs. So matchup wise, Sanket, matchup wise, are there any good teams that West Indies can trouble with this bowling, or you think they will be just relying purely on their batting to win the matches against the top teams? I don't think there's any team that their bowling can seriously threaten, except maybe in certain conditions. I think you know, I, this is a bowling attack that can you know come good if they get conditions which are you know what we call the typical English conditions, which are pretty much extinct extinct in the modern ODI game, because they have as I said they've got a good Test match attack. So if they get conditions which where the ball seems around a little bit, then you know, like I seen in Gabriel or Jason Holder, Kmar Roach becomes a different bowler. But I mean, even class, even Cottrell, even Cottrell can be even Cottrell. Cottrell, I think Cottrell, I, Cottrell, I think is the best bowler. I think he is. He, he is, is the best bowler in the squad. I, I would say he's the best bowler purely because of the left-arm action that he brings. It's nothing. It's, at least he's got that going for him. So that he, he, that can cause some problems to the right-handed batsman. We saw that in the yeah. England series as well. In the first ODI, England chased 360 odd at a canter, and then Cottrell came in and they managed to defend 280 odd. Obviously, the pitch was. You know, slightly different. It was a used surface, so that also helped him a little bit. But I think he added a different dimension to that to that attack, and West Indies managed to draw the series. That, that so, was the game in which he picked up five wickets. That was the match in which he picked up five yeah. wickets. He troubled the likes of Johnny Bairstow and Jason Roy, and yeah. they were not able to score a lot of runs for the rest of the series after scoring the hundreds in the first ODI. 
So yeah. th- th- that's that's I think you know one of the things that could you know if the conditions are seem friendly then this West Indies attack can do damage. But then again, you know if the conditions are seem friendly then the batsmen could struggle. So it it is a double edged sword you can say. But yeah, I think on flat okay. Price, so so Sanket, ho- yeah, hold yeah, on to your thoughts. I'll come uh, I'll come back to you. So let me just. Uh, make this a more batting conversation and put swaroop on the on the you know answering block so swaroop if west indies has to yeah. go deep yeah. you know this is a world cup where everyone is playing everyone just like 92 so nine matches are guaranteed without yeah. uh, hoping there's no yeah. you know bad weather days so as a west indies fan mm-hmm. what are you hopeful where will this batting lineup come good and who are some of the guys that will come good to get them some good wins I mean, we are in projection mode, yeah, but as a fan, see, I'm sure you looked at the schedule. Their schedule is kind of rough. Yeah. They're starting with against good teams right away. Correct, correct, correct. Yeah, they they they're starting up against. Uh, yeah, they're starting up against good teams. Uh, this this batting lineup, I think. The, I mean, of course, it it will revolve around Chris Gale, especially because he's been in unbelievable form in that England series, and he seems to have had a measure of all the England bowlers during that series, especially in that that 160. He scored us on 95 balls or something. I think in was was that the third one day or uh, there was one one day that was rained out. I think it was the second one day he scored a 160 over what 97 fourth balls. Fourth ODI. Fourth ODI. Fourth ODI. Where they were chasing 400 and they fell about 20 short. Uh, that's the kind of game and that's the kind of pitch that they will encounter in England. Um, so I think it'll again it'll revolve around Chris Gayle. But uh, you know if, if you look at that middle order, Hetmyer is a great. Addition to that middle order, they've got Shai Hope, and my feeling is Darren Bravo will start uh, from from game one, and uh, so Shai Hope and Darren Bravo will be uh, expected to sort of take them through the middle overs. Uh, even though Bravo has the tendency to sort of get stuck in the middle overs, I think he's a he. I mean, he he has the shots. It's just that I think sometimes he he doesn't know how to push singles. So that may be a very poor at rotation of, of the strike. He is very poor at rotation of the strike, but I think it works in this West Indies lineup because with Gale and Lewis uh, capable of scoring very quickly, and then you have Hetmyer and and Russell is in the squad and Holder and Brathwaite. So with these fellows to come after him, and even Nurse can really hit the ball. So with all these fellows to come after him, and you know Gale and Lewis at the top. My feeling is that uh, batting-wise, what West Indies will be looking for is a quick start, a decent consolidation in the middle, and then uh, like uh, absolute blast in the last leg. Okay, so let me let me extend this question again. Which, which is which has been their strategy in ODIs for a long time. I mean, I was I was telling someone. Yeah. No, no, sorry. Go ahead. So I was just saying. Uh, Uh, you mentioned Russell. You can't, you know, in this IPL month, you cannot help not talk about him. So where does he fit in? And this is a question for you both. You go, both can take Swaroop. Yeah. You can go first, and then Sanket. You can, you know, add uh, value later. But yeah, where does Russell fit in, and how big a factor he is, considering he's such a key player for Kolkata right now. Of course, they're not winning, but he's almost, you know, bringing them to the brink in a lot of these games. So how does that role play into yeah. a 50-over World Cup? Again, I mean, in a 50-over game, I mean, I I don't think Kolkata are using him very well right now. He's he bats like with very little time. But in a 50-over game, I mean, it's it's obvious that he's a finisher. So you would expect him to come maybe between over 37 to 40, 42, and uh, try and finish off the innings. So depending on how the top order goes, you know, 
you can promote him up the order but i i think the ideal time for him to come is between over 37 and 42 so that he's got like 3 4 overs to sort of get his eye in and russell needs only about 15 20 balls to like really do damage even in a 50 over game if if he can like get 15 20 balls of absolute mayhem then you know he's he scored you about 60 runs in those 20 balls so i so- think So Sanket, you agree with that, uh, or do you see he's going to bring the somewhat similar value to this fifty-over uh, format? Well, I have a slight difference of opinion there. I think I agree with Farooq in the sense that I think his role will be to bat in that thirty-seven to forty-two over period, and I think the onus will obviously be on the West Indies top order so that they they set a solid enough platform for him to come and. Have a blast in those overs because if he has to come earlier, then I think that could be a slightly problematic situation for the Test Indies because Andre Russell is someone. Even though I think he's shown a different facet of his game in the IPL, I think in in a couple of matches against Chennai Super Kings when the Kolkata batting lineup was collapsing around him, he, he played a couple of very sensible kind of innings. He scored it just to run a ball or something, and that, that's the kind of innings that could be handy in an ODI if they lose early wickets. But ideally, if you want to get best value of out of Andre, Andre Russell. Uh, you, you ideally wouldn't want him to come before the 37, 38 over. But regarding the kind of mayhem that he can do, uh, you know, I'm not too sure he will be as effective as he is in the IPL. Purely because, and I'm stating the obvious, the quality of bowling in international cricket is is, is much higher. Uh, in, in in the IPL, you still get Indian medium paces whom he can bully. But I think against a you know, world-class fast bowler, I think Andre Russell still has a weakness against bowlers who really hit the deck hard and who can really get that ball up, you know, up above his, you know. Uh, ar- ar- around his uh, throat, then I think he 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 struggles because I think he's got issues against the short ball, and he, and he, even against bowlers who can probably you're not so capable of delivering the yorker. But even if you can hit those hard lengths, he he can he, he can probably come under a little bit of pressure. So I think against teams like Australia, for example, who've got three three seamers who can bowl in excess of 140, obviously South Africa, who are in my opinion the best bowling attack in the tournament. Or even against India, who've got this Preet Bumrah, by far the best limited overs bowler. Well, I think against these sides, he could have some trouble. I think against other sides, he should be, he should be fine. I think. If okay. You don't really have so place, then you can. So let me just. I think uh, he can bully you. Let me intersect there. And uh, basically, what you both have said, and I'm gathering, you know, some mental notes when you know I'll start following West Indies in the World Cup because they are definitely an exciting bunch. But it looks like every they have more than few options from uh, top to the lower middle order where people can just hit the ball out of the park. But what happens again? My typical question. But if a Cummins is on fire, or a Bada is on fire, or uh, Bumrah gets three wickets, who's uh, there as a stabilizer? If there's a long, you know, you have to bat 50 overs. So Sanket, who's in the West Indies team who can just take singles, play a Dhoni kind of an innings to build an innings, and then uh, lay the platform for say a Russell to take over the game? Uh, who are we looking at for that kind of a candidate? Well, they've only got one player of that type in my opinion, and I think that's one of the weaknesses the West Indies side. Because I think I ideally would have wanted one more one more stabilizer in that side. I mean that guy is Trey Hope, and he I think he has been that mainstay of their batting lineup over the last 12 months. Because I think Swaroop was saying that the batting lineup will revolve around Chris Gale. Firstly, I'm not too sure I agree with that because I think Chris Gale is obviously the most destructive player in the side. He's the most expen- uh, uh, experienced player in the side. But you know, Chris Gale is not someone that who will bat 50 overs. You know, if he if he he's going to score runs, he is going to score them quickly. But he's not someone that you would ideally want. You know, I mean, you you would obviously ideally want him to play 50 overs, but his fitness might not permit him to do that. So 
So I hope I think the guy that around whom the rest of the batting lineup will function is bats number three, which is generally where you know best batsman in the side bats for most teams. You look at Virat Kohli, Kane Williamson, Joe Root. Uh, that, that, that's the position where the best batsman side function, and he he will be playing a very similar role for his side. So uh, feel feel free to disagree if you want to jump right in. I'm going to leave this. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I I I mean yeah, it's Hope, Bravo, and Hetmyer who have to do. I mean because Hetmyer I think has gears. He's not just a. I mean I think he's he's not just a hitter. He can no, I, he can I, shoot I agree, the yeah. gears. I agree. I agree. So agree. so it's it's all three of them have. I mean. Bravo has a real problem with rotating strike, but I think I think between Hope, Bravo, and Hetmyer, this has been for, because I've been like watching West Indies over the last like five seven years, and I feel they've not had three players like this who can take them through the middle overs. They've always had this problem of you know I, because because I keep telling people that what West Indies ODI strategy was is to somehow get to the 30 over mark without losing too many wickets and then play a T20 innings because they know how to play a T20 innings. So yeah, so so I think I think this batting lineup looks way better than than maybe four five years ago because because Hope and Hetmyer have come and they're there and it's a it's a bit of pressure off Bravo. Bravo can get stuck, but it's good that he's there because as you said, if 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 Cummins or Rabada picks up three wickets on uh, you know in in the first ten overs. You need someone to stabilize and and get West Indies to that 30 over mark so that you know Russell Holder and I don't know Brathwaite will make the 11, but Brathwaite and you know Nurse can sort of take the last 10-15 overs. So, so Sanket, you uh, you compared Holder is a leader's ability in Test matches to you know Imran Khan, you know, which is again a very legendary, lofty comparison because Imran did a lot of things back in the day his way, and uh, I always thought the Pakistan team. Before and after him was a different prototype, you know, because you can't set those kind of uh, examples. What he was doing. So, do you think Holder can bring some of that, uh, those values in? Uh, because in in a long tournament, captaincy is going to be huge. Do you think Holder is that guy who can make that jump? Because he's pretty much a proven Test player. Where is he lacking in ODIs, and can he make that uh, whatever he's lacking because of his captaincy? Firstly, I think I just like to clarify. I was not talking about his leadership. I was talking more about his Test match numbers over the last couple of years. They are very much Imran Khan-esque in that sense. You know that he's averaging about 40 plus with the bat and averaging under 20 with the ball. But yeah, coming back to his cricketing skills, I think you know, as I said earlier, I think his major weakness as a bowler in this format of the game is the Test bowling, and he just can't bowl at the Test. You just cannot have him at the Test at all. You can bowl him at any stage, other innings, uh, you know, before the before the Maybe maybe the last eight overs, and he'll do a decent job for you. Now, I personally think his best, I think his best role as an ODI bowler would be with the new ball because I think he, he's someone yeah. who can swing the ball and he can also get a bit of bounce because even though he's not the quickest guy, he's got that natural height and he, he he's someone who can really get the ball to lift, and that can be a natural advantage for Holder. But the problem for West Indies is that they already have too many new ball bowlers in the side. You know, Kemar Root is also a new ball bowler. Cottrell is also a new ball bowler. Um, yeah. Or, or Shane Thomas, if he plays, I think he'll probably be the first team. He's probably the only natural first team bowler they have. Other than that, yeah. you know, Holder also, in my opinion, is better off as a new ball bowler. So they've got plenty of new ball bowlers in the side. So one of them will have to bowl first team, and it will probably be Holder because he probably sees himself as an all-rounder in the side. So that's why he's letting the specialist bowlers have first bite of the cherry with the new ball, and he himself bowls relegates himself to first team. Personally, I, I would, I, I would actually like to see Holder open and maybe. 
try Kimar Road's first thing. I think because he's got a bit more pace and he can probably be a bit more effective in the middle overs when the ball is not doing as much. Uh, but yeah, I think you know, as long as he doesn't bowl at the death, I think he will do a decent job. I think for me, I think when it comes to limited overs cricket, I see Holder more as a batting all-rounder. I, 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 I'm not too sure that the West Indies team management also see it that way. For me, he should be batting in the top six as far as his batting is concerned because I think, you know, you, you talked about stabilizing the innings earlier. I think Holder is one guy who can actually do that apart from Shea uh, Sarup mentioned about Kate Meyer. Uh, yeah, Hetmeyer, I, I actually, is someone that I have got a lot of time for. He's, he's very talented, and I don't think he's a slugger. He's clearly got a lot of class about him. I watched him in the Under-19 World Cup in 2016, and he looked a player who's got a lot of class. But I just think right now he's probably still a bit too raw, and he, he tends to play a lot of shots too early in his innings, and that, that, that probably brings about his downfall. So in that sense, I think Shea Hope is, is the guy around whom the batting lineup will function. And hate Maya, obviously, he can be a little bit hit in this. Bravo, as we already discussed, he's not good at when it comes to rotating the strike. Holder is someone who can actually do do that. He's very good at rotating the strike. He's a very good player of spin bowling. And he, he can also count the ball when he's well set. So I think he, personally, for me, he should be batting at least at number six, if not, you know, in the top five. And he could probably bat at number six. He, he can come in and stabilize the innings, or he can come in and hit from ball one. He can do a variety of roles. And as a bowler, I think he should see himself as he should bowl with a new ball, but he's more of a bonus with the ball. I think his batting should really do the talking as far as the, this format of the game is concerned. Uh, in Test cricket, he's obviously a very good bowler, but in this format, this is how I would see his role. I'm not too sure if the Indies team management sees that, that way. And as far as his leadership is concerned, I think as far as his off field leadership is concerned, I think you can probably. You know, compare him to Imran Khan in in that sense because he is someone who's managed to galvanize uh, a team. You know, the players came from uh, players come from diverse lands, and see, they've not always been a player as a United team. I, mean, I think he's probably uh, the one captain they had since Clive Lloyd, who's actually managed to get the entire team playing under one banner. And I'm not you know comparing him to Clive Lloyd as a cricketer or even as a captain tactically, but and in terms of unifying the team and getting them to play under one banner as the West Indies and looking at the way their team has functioned under him and the way they're feeding off each other's success and the, uh, and the manner in which they celebrated their series win against England, I, it just seems that the players are really enjoying playing for each other under his leadership. So I think as a leader, he gets top marks from me. Uh, from me. Uh, but no, I, I, I think as, very well said. I think uh, the, the yes. challenge for West Indies has been like motivation or whatever, they board. They they have had open issues to to bring people and, and play together. Yeah, but captaincy also, especially in one day cricket. I think test cricket. I think it's more about you know, off field stuff and you know managing the players and all that. Because that tactics are generally taken care of in the dressing room. But when it comes to limited over cricket, you have to think on your feet. And that's why I think tactically, Jason Holder, I still think he's got a lot of maturing to do as a captain, which is you know a little bit disappointing considering he's been in this role for. Four years now. I think he assumed the captaincy of the ODS had just before the 2015 World Cup, and I'm not too sure he's grown much tactically as a leader. One of the examples, primary examples, being he still bowls himself at the death. I know I'm harping about, harping on about for the third time now in this podcast, but this is such an elementary error, and it just baffles me every time why he continues to do that. He himself knows that he's not a good death bowler, yet he keeps bowling at the death. So these are some of the aspects that I think to tactically hold needs to work upon. But as far as you know, leadership is concerned, I think he is absolutely a top-notch leader and you know, one of the best that this team has. Okay, so this was a pretty you know 
a deep dive from Sanket on this, so we we can move on and wrap West Indies up and Swaroop. So, uh, Chris Gale, we were talking about him before we were prepping the podcast. Do you think there is yeah. room for this kind of... I mean, he's a great, great batsman. He's a game changer. But I find him some sort of a liability on the field. But do you think uh, in this West Indies team, or in, in international cricket, you can have players who are so good at one discipline and still be an okay or below or, or average fielder? I, I, I think, I mean, uh, I, I, I heard something very interesting from uh, someone who's involved with uh, Chennai Super Kings. Uh, Chennai Super Kings played a game because Chennai, I'm, the reason I'm bringing up uh, CSK is because they they have a bunch of very bad fielders, right? They have like Shane Watson. I mean, I I, I went to the ground and watched a game. Shane Watson can barely run anymore. Um, uh, you look at Imran Tahir, he's a bad fielder. I mean, there were so many boundaries that I thought Imran Tahir would stop and he at least two or three during the game against SRH. I saw he, would, there was, he just didn't move. He, he, the, the big liability in the field. And I was I was I was talking to someone involved with the Super Kings, and apparently, uh, Dhoni Dhoni has told Watson and Tahir that you know I will hide you in the field. You just stick to what you know how to do best, which is bowling and like batting at the top of the order. Don't worry about fielding, and I'll hide you. And this man claimed I don't know, I've not I've, obviously I've not gone ball by ball and checked, but this man claimed that in three IPL games this season. Watson and Tahir didn't touch a single ball in the field. So, and and CSK is still top of the table. So, I think a good captain can hide a bad fielder. I don't know if Jason Holder is that captain, but uh, I think I think you can hide one bad fielder, especially because uh, this West Indies side has some good fielders. I mean, uh, uh, Bravo is pretty good in the uh, infield. Uh, He's a keeper. He's pretty good in the infield. Uh, even Lewis is a good fielder. Russell is a good fielder. So you can you can hide uh, you can hide Chris Gale in the field. It's not very hard. And Chris Gale is pretty safe as a as a slip fielder. He's pretty safe in the infield. I mean, things that come straight to him, you know, he's not going to he's not going to misfield or he's not going to drop. So that way, I think it's okay. I mean, you can manage. You can manage with one bat. And he brings enough with the bat. So I don't think that's I wish uh, my captains were like this in high school because the ball would always find me wherever they put me and I was praying the ball doesn't come to me. So, yeah, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a very good stat. I'll probably try to read about it and maybe pay more attention when Dhoni and Tahir and Watson are on field together. So, before we yeah, jump yeah. to Sri Lanka, that's the next team. Uh, Sanket, any parting comments? Like, I, I, I know I'll put you on the spot because you always prepared for the unexpected. What do you think, uh, how many games West Indies will win? In this, uh, say, in our nine games, you're going to make a bold prediction right now. Are they a semi-final contender or? No, as I said, I think we are, as we discussed already, I think the bowling is a significant drawback as far as the, you know, the semi-final chances are concerned. I think the one team that they can trouble among the top sides is England. Because, and I think Bharat also said this on Twitter. They, they match up well to England because England don't really have the pace in their attack unless they include Jofra Archer, which is still a little bit of a, you know, a toss-up uh, at this stage, unless they include Johar Archer, the rest of the English attack, I think, right, plays right into their hands. It is a medium pace attack, and the West Indies big hitters really like to feast on that kind of bowling. Chris Gale, for example, he's, I think he seems extra motivated when he plays against England. His record against England, even the World T20 we have seen, he's played some great innings against them. Uh, uh, and, and the bowlers, I think we saw after the World Studio, they adapted quite well against England. 
Sheldon Cotter made a big difference with the ball. So yeah, I think they can make a big difference against possibly against England, uh, against Australia or South Africa. I think they will struggle because uh, the, 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 I think they're batting struggles against high quality fast bowling, especially Chris Gale, you know, who's, who's now touching 40. So uh, he's, he's very slow against. Uh, he's slow on the his reflexes have slowed down, and he's not quite the same player against express pace anymore. India is is, is a tricky matchup because India, I think. Uh, just speed Bumrah is firing, and then I think West Indies will have their hands full because Bumrah, even though he doesn't really have a lot of support uh, in the pace department for India, but I think Bumrah being Bumrah, I think he alone can probably cause mayhem against the Windies. Uh, but yeah, the Indian spinners, have, the form has nosedived a little bit in the IPL. Uh, so I think if, if they can see him off, then maybe they can cause some damage against the spinners, as we saw in the in the series against India last year, they were quite competitive in the first three matches. So maybe that could be another interesting matchup. Uh, I think another matchup, interesting matchup for West Indies against Afghanistan. And uh, because Afghanistan is a team that has consistently troubled the West Indies, Rashid Khan has a yeah. great record against them. And yeah. in, the, in the World Cup qualifiers, West Indies, Afghanistan ended up winning both their matches against the West Indies. So I think when we talk about West Indies' chances for the semi final, it's not just about them beating the top sides. They also have to be consistent and beat the lower ranked sides. Yeah, but they are playing the lower ranked sides later on. So I think their fate may would have been sealed. Or it's just like they have to do it the hard way. They have to come to the Afghanistan match uh, with some wins in the bag, and then that match will be meaningful. Otherwise, if they have lost, say, yeah. six yeah. matches coming in, yeah. they're, they're pretty much out. That's what that's what I'm trying to say. So even if they cause a couple of upsets, I'm not too sure they are uh, a certainty for the semi-finals because they could easily. You know, lose it against Afghanistan or even against Bangladesh. Who won both the series against them last year, both home and away, uh, in, in this format of the game. So yeah, I think West Indies is still not a semi-final. You know, I, they, I, they are a contender, but they wouldn't really be in my semi-final list. But they can definitely play a spoiler. They, they could beat an England on their day. They could possibly beat an India, or if they get lucky, they could possibly beat Australia or South Africa as well. Although I'm not betting on that. But yeah, I think that the, the, the role right now I think is still more of that of a spoiler rather than as a genuine contender for the title. Okay, I'm I'm, so, I'm going to make a bold prediction. West Indies will lose only three games in this World Cup: uh, one to South Africa, one to Afghanistan, and third to New Zealand. They will beat all the other. <laughs> okay. And you're saying that they will win all the knockouts in, in the World Cup as well? Or you're saying only for the group? No, no, I'm 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 only talking about the round robin. Uh, semi-finals. Okay. <laughs> I, after after 96, I don't want to make any prediction. <laughs> okay. Nice. Okay. Spoken All like right. a true prodigy. Okay. All right. So let's bring Sri Lanka in. We have like less than 18 minutes to talk about their fortunes. We, you know, of course, we did a deeper dive uh, for West Indies. So, Sanket, uh, lead the charge here. Uh, where, where does Sri Lanka rank in terms of, you know, I know they are not the favorites. They've been having some revival uh, and hosting a podcast. I should pay more attention, but, you know, there's so much cricket being played on. So, fill in. In a very brief summary, where does Sri Lanka rank in terms of power rankings uh, for someone like me or someone who's listening to this podcast who doesn't know that well about Sri Lanka, you know, may know all the players or some players. So where do they really fit in in the scheme of the World Cup? Well, well, the only thing that I'd like to say about that is if, if Sri Lanka were playing the World Cup qualifiers last year instead of West Indies and Afghanistan, I can, I, I'm ready to bet a good amount of money on this that they wouldn't have qualified for the World Cup. And there's absolutely no way that they would have gotten out of the qualifying group because it was a very high quality tournament in West Indies and Afghanistan and themselves needed quite a bit of luck to get where they are. Yeah. But you know, but coming back, I, 
I I think Ireland are a better team than Sri Lanka today. I think Scotland are probably even better in both. But yeah, I'm coming back to Sri Lanka. Yeah. So yeah, I, I would say I think that that pretty much sums up where they are. I think they are a very distant team. I would say Afghanistan are comfortably comfortably uh, ahead of them at nine. And obviously the other side, I don't think I need even need to say anything. I think the other sides are would all start as overwhelming favorites against Sri Lanka. But yeah, obviously I, uh, that that's obviously the negative part of it. Well, there's hardly anything positive about Sri Lankan ODI cricket, even if I try hard to be honest. But you know, I think they, they, they've changed. I think 10 or 12 captains. I think in the last 18 months in this yeah. format of the game, and it's probably epitomatic of of the of the applied in ODI cricket over the last four years. That the guy who was captaining at them at the World Cup is the one who has not played a single ODI in this World Cup cycle. He is directly going to be making his comeback. He last played an ODI against England. In the 2015 World Cup, which they won, uh, the, the match that they won against England, where Kumar Sangakkara and Lahiru Tirumani scored hundreds, chasing down 300 odd at uh, in in Wellington. So, so that so, was the last ODI that he played, and hmm. he's now going to be making his comeback directly in the next World Cup. So that pretty much, you know, that that I think tells you everything that you need to know wow, that's about the, Sri Lanka. Yeah, that, that's quite. That's that's quite a summary, Sanket. Yeah, I mean, I knew things weren't good, but you know, when you don't pay attention, you don't realize what's going on. So. <laughs> So this is uh, this is going to be turn out to a different uh, uh, conversation because I'm more keen on picking you know your both of yours brains and opinions. So uh, Swaroop, what Sanket said, I'm sure you agree with everything he said in the assessment of Sri Lankan cricket. So what causes this kind of a nosedive? Why right things are happening in Bangladesh? I mean they really haven't made the progress, but they kind of ha- haven't taken step back. And then Afghanistan is like talk of the town. So what's happened in Sri Lanka? I know one thing is to lose. Uh, some of the legends, but still, there has to be a pipeline. Why do you think they are struggling so much? I, I know it's a generic question, but uh, I think it's a very concerning question. No, I, 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 I saw something Sangakara said some time back. He he was very concerned about the uh, quality of domestic cricket in Sri Lanka, and he said that it's it's gone down heavily because many of the international stars no longer play in our domestic cricket. So he says the people who come from domestic cricket, they have to make a much bigger jump. Than the cricketers of his uh, era had to make, so he says that is one of the problems why many of these people who even come in, even the talented cricketers who come into the international side, they take really long to sort of mature and and uh, you know come to terms with international cricket. Somebody like uh, Kusal Mendes or Kusal Pereira, they they win or I mean they 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 they're still slightly raw. I mean Kusal Pereira played. I mean. something that i described to uh, anand sometime back as probably the best test innings ever but uh, you you still think of his batting as a bit raw he's he's not a finished product and and kusal mendes was in such bad form in the middle of last year that he was dropped and then called back into the side and he's seen as their big batting hope right now so i i think i mean i maybe maybe it has to do with the fact that their domestic cricket is just not good enough anymore So, uh, going back to you, Sanket. Now we were talking about, I think, on Twitter. Like, uh, I, I think a lot of people are talking. You know, every squad will have a couple of tourists. Uh, what does uh, this kind of Sri Lanka squad does? Does it have a final eleven in your mind, or you think there'll be a lot of chop and changes and a lot of combinations that's going to be put out? I think if you look at Sri Lankan cricket, and again, I'm being too negative here. And I apologize to any Sri Lankan fan listening to the podcast, but I've got to be honest. I, I don't think there's any, you know. You know, standout eleven. That you know, I could probably name my eleven, but I'm not too sure if that that is the one that they will 
eventually put out and i would be very surprised if they retain the same 11 for consecutive matches because uh, and that, that that's that's also one of the been one of the problems with sri lankan cricket as for to add to what sarup mentioned and i agree with everything that he mentioned the quality of the domestic cricket i would say is absolutely in doldrums as far as sri lanka is concerned but you know, even the players who have come into the international setup and they showed some promise at least those players should have been able to you know be a little bit more consistent and take the next step up someone like kusal mendis for example uh, he has been playing international cricket for the last 3 years so Uh, you know and he showed promise you know when he scored that 176 against australia at gol on a uh, at at palakeli i believe on on a turner and won that test match yeah. for them uh, you know from a hopeless situation i think that was really the uh, you know the emergence of possibly the next great sri lankan batsman but you know he hasn't really kept on and you know gone on to become the consistent uh, world class player that we we thought he should be and you can't really blame domestic cricket for that because he has been a part of the national setup he hasn't really gone back and played a lot of domestic cricket since then so i think some credit some blame has to also go to the team management they've consistently chopped and changed they're probably not giving players enough confidence they're not packed players at the right position maybe especially when it comes to one day cricket you've got to give them a settled run at a particular slot and that's probably one of the reasons why they're doing better in test match cricket because the side there is relatively more consistent um uh, there's, there's less stopping and changing there uh, the players have more clearly defined roles that's why they've probably done better in that format and you know the, the limited over performance i think the less said the better and i think this i think the part of the blame also has to go to team management i don't think they pick the right players yeah, every time they lose they keep going back to the likes of full tharanga who's a proven failure Uh, I mean, he used to recall the likes of Kapil Kedera, you know, even even a couple of years ago. I think he's not played for a couple of years now, and I, hopefully he won't be back again. But you know, he's another guy who's been playing international cricket for more than half a decade, uh, for more than a decade and a half almost, and he's still not made any impact at the highest level. So I think this is one of the reasons they just keep going back to the same tried and tested players. They probably not back the youngsters enough, and I think this should, this is reflected even in the World Cup squad that they picked. Oshada Fernando, I think he was one of the stars for Sri Lanka in, in that tour of South Africa. He played a very yeah. good innings in the, in the second test when they chased down 200 odd. It could have been a tricky target, but eventually it turned out to be a cakewalk due to the brilliance of Oshada Fernando and Kushal Mendes. And uh, also showed some promise in the first test as well. I believe he got a 40 odd uh, in the first test, and he showed some promise even in the ODI series, even though he didn't didn't get any half centuries or big scores. He got, but he got starts. in every single game and he showed promise so i mean when it comes to sri lanka you, you can't really expect batsmen to score big hundreds and stake that claim because they, they're not really doing that so you, know, you have to look for players who got potential and back them it, it, it's not good it's not that you know if 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 someone doesn't perform if someone doesn't score 200 in a series we're going to drop him you've got to be a little bit more patient and that's what they've done with kushal mendis over the last year or so i think they've been quite patient with him despite his inconsistent performances and that's one thing that i appreciate about them uh, and that's one of the reasons why i think he may eventually come work because not no one can predict anything but i'm i'm backing him to have a good world cup but i think oshara fernando i think that's a really bad omission as far as the world cup squad is concerned instead they've gone in with avishka fernando who you know who looked completely out of his depth in that odi series against south africa he is a guy who is basically a kid who has been picked up because he scored some runs against an ireland a side i mean Uh, and those performances have somehow been rated above 
what happened in this South Africa series. So, so Sanket, let me ask you then, uh, since you uh, know the scene quite closely, uh, so are there any omissions? in the squad no matter looks like no matter the omissions much not much difference would have been made in the outcome but are there any omissions in the squad that you would have at least picked as i said i think usara fernando definitely should have been there ahead of avishka fernando the other guy i think was the omission probably strikes out is akela dananjaya is is yeah. the mainstay as a odi spinner and is probably been yeah. one of the few cricketers who come out with any credit from the odi side over the last two year two years but again uh, his action was called out last late last year got banned and modified his action came back again and wasn't quite the same bowler against south africa uh, again whether that's a good enough reason to leave him out i'm not so sure but I, to a certain degree i understand it because uh, when whenever a bowler comes back after a ban after a banned action and you know, we've seen it with you know the likes of saeed ajmal sunil narayan or, or plenty of bowlers they're not the same bowlers so you know in a way you can understand it but again this is sri lanka that we are talking about they don't really they're not really blessed with an uh, abundance of resources so i think they could have still probably back back them instead they relying on the part time spin of dananjay de silva and the, the chief selector made some comment that you know dananjay de silva takes fewer deliveries per wicket than akela dananjay since his return well his return has only been three odi since since that uh, since the his action was banned so Uh, if that is the sample size on which you're going to base your world cup selections then i, I don't think that reflects all that well on the team management hmm. okay so swarup and let me bring you me, in for me the uh, yeah Sorry. no for me for me the the other big disappointment has been angelo matthews uh, steady decline even partly, even 5 years 5 years ago i mean partly because of injury but even 5 years ago we thought you know he'd be the next jack callis or something and now he's he's not captain anymore he's not i don't think he is their best batsman anymore he hardly bowls and quite frankly i mean i i think i think uh, a, a sri lankan side from the early 2000s uh, angelo matthews wouldn't even make it so yeah that was one of the question i had in mind but let me put the other question first so lasit malinga yeah. finds himself you know in the squad and someone who doesn't follow uh, the pulse of yeah. sri lankan cricket i am one of those i just looked yeah. at uh, before i was preparing for the podcast he did play i think 7 8 odis this year so is he an automatic choice given you know how sanket saying things are really not looking optimistic so his experience is needed or is he again just they should have looked other, the other way uh, how 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 does he fit in this squad according to you swarup see they've got uh, suranga lakmala actually been bowling pretty well over the last year and a half or so noan uh, pradeep has not been too bad himself and uh, there was this other bowler who did really well in the west indies in the test matches um, i can't remember lahiru kumara lahiru kumara yes he was bowling very well in the test matches although he didn't do too well in the one days but uh, they had options but i i think i think they've gone back to malinga now more out of desperation than anything else because he seems to he seems to be sort of injury free and uh, fit enough to bowl 10 overs and they think you know having an experienced head around this side may be useful because they they don't have anyone who's played anywhere nearly as much cricket as he has so that is probably the reason he's there in the side and i mean he's he's not even half the bowler he used to be i mean we're watching this ipl and i don't think i don't think he's anywhere he he doesn't have the pace anymore he just relies on i mean he's smart and he's got a very good slow ball but that might work for 24 balls in in 
So yeah, I was going to ask you both this question. So Sanket, you can win. We were talking about Sunil Narayan, you know, like for the many reasons he's not selected for his action, but he's also someone who's comfortable bowling four overs. So how does a pacer like Malinga, what Swaroop said, can he even bowl 10 over spells and can he be even half good? Actually, he's been, Malinga has been playing ODI cricket regularly since the Asia Cup last year. And I think he has been decent. Obviously, he's not the same bowler that he used to be, which is understandable. Understandable. He's turning 36 this year. So, the age factor is obviously there. Malinga has always been a very injury-prone cricketer. So, again, that, that's another factor. So, I think for his age and considering all the injuries he has he has suffered, I don't think he's been bowling all that badly. I think he had a decent Asia Cup, had a decent series against England. And then, uh, I, don't, I don't remember the series against New Zealand all that well. I didn't really follow that much. But, you know, he has been doing all right compared to you know, some of the other resources that Sri Lanka got. I don't think he would make it to an Indian, South African, Australian uh, or a New Zealand pace attack or maybe not even an English pace attack. But I think for, by Sri Lankan standards, I think he's still comfortably the best bowler that they've got. And I think the problem with Malinga has been, you know, and Sorok mentioned about his experience helping the side. Uh, I'm not so sure actually that that is helping the side because there have been some complaints from the junior players that they not really, do not really share very cordial relationships with Malinga. Uh, due to which, you know, he was he's been sacked as the captain. There were even even some rumors that he might re- retire from ODI cricket if he was not appointed captain for the World Cup. That has thankfully you know, turned out to be not true. But you know, there's no smoke without fire. Uh, so uh, definitely, there's some element of truth as far as the disharmony within the team is concerned. And that's also one of the reasons why Dinesh uh, Chandimal ended up getting sacked uh, from Test captaincy as well. That's one of the reasons why they've gone in with. Who captained that series when in South Africa because he's seen as the guy who can bring the squad together. Like we talked about Jason Holder earlier, he's seen as the guy who can probably, you know, is a calming influence, he can bring some stability to the side. Whether he's a good enough to be, whether he's a good enough ODI player to be in the starting 11, that's a different matter altogether. But when it comes to Sri Lankan cricket, as I said, the bar is pretty low. So that, that, that's what they've gone and looked. Okay. I think even, I mean, I, I, was trying to, I was trying to make 11 out of this 14. And uh, Karuna Ratne would probably not be on it. I think I think he still makes it because I think the other option, opening option that they have got in the squad is Avishka Fernando. Yeah, yeah, as I said, and he, as I said, I think he's completely out of his depth at the at this level right now. Yeah. So I would still have Karuna Ratne from the squad that they've picked. Right. So my my eleven, I think I'll go with the Karuna Ratne, Ramane uh, as openers. Number three would probably be Kosal Mendes. Kosal yes. Pereira at number four, then Angelo Matthews at five. Tananja De Silva is probably the all-rounder at number six. Isara Pereira. And, and then, then the bowlers, I think. I'll go in with the next pillar, Vandersee. And then three seamers, Malinga, Lakmal, and you know, the left armor. Udana has been doing well. He's, he's an all-rounder, actually. He's been one of the better batsmen in recent times in the series in South Africa as well. So that, that would probably be my 11. But again, it's not a very... Not a very convincing eleven. It's not no, eleven. Uda, Udana, Udana, I think I was more impressed with his batting than with his bowling. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it seemed it, like much. I think yeah, he's more of a batsman. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't quite call him a batting all rounder, but his bowling, I think, is more of a T20 bowler. He relies on a lot on his slow deliveries and yeah. stuff like that. He's not really effective over wicket taking bowling. But as I said, um, Sri Lanka not really blessed with a lot of options. But I think they they can probably afford to go in with these utility cricketers, hoping they can do a little bit of this and that. Because if you don't really have good enough specialist bowlers, why not go for the guy who can, you know, offer something? So even though I'm not a big fan of bits and pieces cricketers as a principle, 
But as if these are exceptional circumstances when it comes to Sri Lanka cricket, so I can totally understand why they've gone down this route with regards to the bits and pieces cricketers. So that's probably my eleven for Sri Lanka, but uh, it's not an eleven that I expect to win a single game in the World Cup. Wow. I would be pleasantly surprised. If- Okay, so Swaroop, since you made the bold prediction for West Indies, maybe bold by our standard, but routine for you. So you think Sri Lanka wins a game, like what Sanket said, they won't even win a game. So you think if they do, and against whom, that will happen? Uh, I, I I think every team in this World Cup will win at least one game. I don't think any team will go completely winless because it's nine games. Any team is bound to slip up. Any team is bound to have a good day. My prediction is Sri Lanka will beat New Zealand. I don't know why I'm saying that's, that, but that's, that's, that's a big score. New Zealand yeah. absolute part was them this year. I think okay. I know. If, if if you want me to make a big bold prediction, and as I said, I don't expect Sri Lanka to win. But if 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 I were to be really bold, then the one team that I think Sri Lanka might beat, and and this is going to shock everybody, I think it's probably England, because they somehow seem to really raise their game against England. Even in the ODI series that was played against England last year, they actually managed to win one game that was a dead rubber. And they won by something like 200 odd runs. They scored three fifty. The bat batting first, and then he bowled bowled them out for 130 odd. They can so beat Pakistan, no? Because Pakistan can always pull up Pakistan. I mean, with no due, you know, with all due respect, you know, how results sometimes go. Possibly, but but I think that's my gut feeling. If at all they're going to cause an upset, it's probably against England because they somehow seem to raise their ODI game against England. Against New Zealand, they I think I think New Zealand will comfortably beat them. Okay, wow. So Bangladesh also they may beat. They may. Hi. Right, so, any parting, any parting comments? We both get thirty seconds each. Uh, you can either speak about West Indies or Sri Lanka or anything. We have like a minute left. Sanket, you can go first. Well, about Sri Lanka, as I said, I mean, firstly, I hope they, they you know, do, do better than I that, than I am anticipating. Uh, and regarding West Indies, I think, uh, as I said, West Indies are a team that can play a spoiler the World Cup. So it would be nice if they can play a spoiler against maybe. England or India, I guess that's that's probably my bias. Not not a prediction. That's probably something that I'm hoping for. A more of a wishful thing, a wishful thinking on my part. Right, Swaroop. Yeah, me. I'm I'm like absolutely hoping that uh, West Indies can uh, not just make the semi-final for the first time in what 23 years, but also that they can win that semi-final. Because I'm I'm still scarred by '96. And okay. and as far as Sri Lanka concerned, yeah, I mean, I I think the Sri Lanka games will be boring to watch. That's 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 probably how I'd sum it up. Hi. On that note, uh, we'll sign off here. Uh, thanks for joining, and whoever is listening, please share this these podcasts with your friends. And we promise to be on Google Play and iTunes soon. So for Sanket Swaroop, this is Sakib signing off. Uh, we'll be back with another episode next week. Bye for now. <laughs>